Hello and welcome to Judas Roar Podcast. My name is Jordan Griffith. I'm a minister and it is my prayer that this podcast helps you grow in your relationship with God. Walk with me through the garden of relationship as I share with you the words that the Lord has put on my heart and I pray that the messages are a blessing to you. Amen. Welcome back to uh, Judas Roar. Uh, this is Jordan Griffith. It's my podcast. And over the past little bit, we've been covering um, chapters and different topics of a book that I published in 2020 called The Footsteps of Discipleship. Um, Footsteps of Discipleship covers the basic discipleship and it's made for, uh, written for converts and also for like elders, mentors, uh, and teachers of churches to have a basic running list of what to talk about in order to strengthen converts. The church has had a pretty bad history of, of, of going out and evangelizing and getting the new converts and then running off and leaving them. There's been no follow-up. No, hey, can I get your number? Can I call you? You know, invite them to a church or offer to find them a good home church. Help them figure out where to go where they can be under the care of a pastor. You know, there's there's not really been a lot of follow-up. And the Great Commission, part of our Great Commission is to make disciples. Not necessarily converts, but disciples. Yeah, they will be converted to Jesus, and that's great, and that's the first step. And we have to get to, we got to get to that point first. But then after that, there should be follow up. You know, you you grow in the grace and the knowledge of of the Lord Jesus. So, and you do that through uh, under teaching and understanding. You know, by learning the truth and being established in the truth. So, some things that the topic covers. Uh, or that I'm covering in in these podcasts is uh, chapters one and two I covered in the first one, which was discipleship and defines what that looks like and the basics of salvation. Uh, the last one I did was chapter three, which was on water baptism and the different schools of thought on that and the importance and the symbolism of it. And so today is chapter four, and it's on the Holy Spirit. Um, and here's something that I want to preface this with. I understand that my point of view of the Holy Spirit's not going to be like other Christians. I'm fully, 100% Pentecostal, charismatic. Okay? So we are the guys that and, and gals that believe in speaking in tongues and all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I believe that 100%. I've seen too much... I know too much, I've experienced too much to know that it is real. All those experiences, and I'm not here to try to convert you into that, but I do want, you know, if, I mean, that's that's something that you'll have to taste and see that the Lord is good on your own, and He will set you up for that if you're open to it. But, whether you believe in speaking in tongues or not, the fact of the matter is, the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Bible numerous times. He exists, and He's here for you. Okay? So, I'm going to preface it with that. Okay? So, I'll, first I want to talk about the identity of the Holy Spirit. And this is coming straight out of the book. 
the Holy Spirit, or some say the Holy Ghost, is God's Spirit. It's His essence, the manifestation of God on earth. And the Bible is very clear. He is a person. People refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, but Jesus called the Spirit He. When He shall come, He will teach you all things, not it. That is demeaning to the Holy Spirit. He is a person. You know, you wouldn't look at a at a man and call him it, or a woman and call her it. We shouldn't do the Holy Spirit that way either. He's not an it, he's a he. Okay? So, he has characteristics. He can speak. He can talk. He can move. He can be grieved. He can be quenched. He was with God in the beginning, according to Genesis 1 and 2. He was moving upon the face of the waters. While working on creation, God spoke it, and it became so through His Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the means, really, by which God carries out His will on earth. And the word, the same Hebrew word for spirit is also the same word for breath. And so he's like the breath of God. Okay? And he dwells, he seeks to live and dwell on the inside of us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.16 that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When people receive the Holy Spirit, we are all being baptized in fire, so to speak, on, like on the day of Pentecost. So, many people believe that the power of the Holy Spirit was only accessible for the apostles and the believers in that age. But I wholeheartedly disagree. In Acts 2.38, says, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's a, You shall in there. You shall receive. That is a promise. He is saying if you fulfill the first part of the verse, in other words, if you're saved, for you know, because we covered this in chapter three uh, in the chapter three uh, podcast that Peter could quite possibly be talking about being saved because baptizing does not do anything for salvation because it's not of works lest any man should boast. So for the remission of sins talking about salvation and accepting Jesus, you shall receive the Holy Spirit. And this is what Acts 2 and 39, the verse directly below it says, For the promise of receiving the Holy Spirit is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Let me read it again. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. So we are the ones that are far off here 2,000 years later, okay? That's us. That means the promise of receiving the Holy Spirit is still, uh, the promise of Him indwelling in us is still here today. That's what it says in Acts 2, 9, uh, 2, 239. His promises are yea and amen. He's not he's not slack concerning the promises that he's made, and he will and and his word doesn't change. And so his word promises us that. So it wasn't just for something for the original apostles. It wasn't just something for the the people of Jesus' time. 
receiving the Holy Spirit and operating in His fullness is still for the church today. And, and, and I'm willing to stand on the scriptures and the promise that Acts 2.39 gives me. And I'll take it one step further. The scripture also says that the gifts and the callings are without repentance, which means He does not call them back. He doesn't take them back. He gives. He doesn't take back. We can't ignore the gift. We can lay it down. We can reject the gift. But He doesn't take it away. So since He gave the church, the corporate body of all the believers in Christ, the Holy Spirit, He's not about to withdraw His Spirit from the church. That is ludicrous. Why would He ever take His Spirit from the church? People that are in relationship with Him, seeking His will, reading His Word, praying to Him, engaged in a relationship with Him, why would He ever want to pull His Spirit away from His Beloved? He wouldn't, right? So the promise is still for us today, even as many as be afar off. Okay, so that's something we... We need to understand, as an elder, if you are an elder listening to this, instructing new converts, they need to know that. If you are a new convert, you need to know that that promise is still available to you, to be to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to receive the Holy Spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit do for Christians today? Some people say not much, but I say everything He did in the Bible, He can do for us today. Uh, for example, if you look at Romans 8 and 11, it says that He raised Jesus from the dead. In Genesis 1 and 2 and 2 and 7, He participated in creation. There's a number of things He does to aid Christians in our walk and our relationship with God. You don't need to be afraid of Him. He's here from you, for, for you. And that's a lot of the things that you run into is people who, especially in the realm of uh, speaking in tongues, uh, people are afraid of that. But here's the thing. Jesus was teaching one time, and He said, this is along the same lines of, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened open unto you. And He said, For what manner of man are you if a if a father if a if a child asks a his father for a loaf of bread will you give him a stone let's think about it if a father give if if a child asks his father for a piece of bread and he gives him a stone the child could cut himself on the rock he could crack his teeth if he tries to bite into it the father's not going to give him a stone because that's harmful to him, right? Or, Jesus said, if the if a child asks for a fish, would the father give him a serpent? Absolutely not. Serpents bite. Serpents have venom. That could kill the child. Why would the father give something that would hurt the child? One more. If the child asks for an egg, would the father give him a scorpion? No. It stings. There's venom in that. There's harm in that. And he said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give of His Spirit to those who ask Him? These are the words of Jesus in the New Testament, okay? And so look at that. He's not going to give him, give the child a stone, 
because it's hurtful to him. He's not going to give him a serpent because it's hurtful to the kid. He's not going to give him a scorpion because it's hurtful. The Holy Spirit is not stone or serpent or scorpion. The Holy Spirit is bread. It's feel, He is filling. He wants to fill you up, right? Fish, meat. He wants to bring the meat of the Word to you. Egg. Nutrition, protein, strength. He wants to strengthen your walk. In other words, Jesus was saying, just as an earthly father is not going to give anything that's going to harm his child, the holy uh, the, the, the holy father above is not going to give you anything harmful. So if he's given you the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not stone. He's not a serpent. He's not a scorpion. If the you know if you're up uh, up front in a church and you're seeing somebody speaking in tongues and and the true Holy Spirit is speaking through that person and they're being blessed even though it might be loud it might be raucous they might be shaking all over the house sometimes that happens but that is not harmful because it is him it is the holy spirit it's the same one that raised jesus from the dead it's the same one he is bread he is egg he is fish he is good the father gives good gifts to his children how much more his holy spirit to those who ask and you have to ask ask him for the holy spirit the holy spirit's not harmful he's not stone he's not a serpent he's not a scorpion Okay, you need to understand that that is preaching to you. That's not even in the that's that's not even in the book. That's uh, that's coming straight out of the Bible. How much more will your holy will your Father give of His Holy Spirit to those who ask? The Father's not going to give you anything harmful. If the Holy Spirit was harmful, He would not give you the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's not harmful. He does so many things, so many good things in your life. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Again, we are the temple. The Holy Spirit is the temple. So through His sacrifice, Jesus ascended... Uh, after he was resurrected, he ascended to heaven. He said, It is expedient for you that I go away, because if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come to you. That's in John 16 and 7. The Comforter he's talking about is, is a reference to the Holy Spirit. That's one of his, what you might call, nicknames. And so what Jesus was conveying was, I'm here on the outside. If I go away, I will send God's Spirit to you who will dwell on the inside of you, and He will always be present. Think about this. If you, if you, When Jesus was dwelling in the flesh here on earth, you had to go where Jesus was for the most part. There was a couple exceptions of where other people went on someone else's behalf and said, hey, they're sick, and Jesus sent the word and healed them. But essentially, you had to go where Jesus was because he was limited by the flesh. Jesus was basically saying, with the Holy Spirit, not so. He is going to be on the inside of you. He goes with you wherever you go. And the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Everywhere, all the time. 
So you don't have to worry about if Jesus was in Jerusalem, you had to go to Jerusalem. If he was in Bethlehem, you had to go to Bethlehem. If he was in Capernaum, you had to go to Capernaum. If he was in Nazareth, then you had to go to Nazareth. But now, the Holy Spirit God is accessible to you through his Spirit, all because Jesus took the cross and he made the way for the Holy Spirit to come. Because he ascended back up to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit to us. So, when did that happen? Acts chapter 2 is the most quoted, I would say, scripture about the Holy Spirit. This was after Jesus had ascended to heaven. He told the disciples to tarry or wait in Jerusalem until they received the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. And so... What happened was there was about 120 people in, in a place in Jerusalem, which is called the Upper Room. And as they were praying, it said that place was filled with a mighty rushing wind. The sound of. And there appeared above the, the disciples' heads cloven tongues of fire, and it rested on them as, they, and as the... The, the tongues of fire rested on them, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is all recorded in chapter 2. And so if you look, there was a, a Jewish holy day where all manner of people, all Jewish males, were coming up to the temple to, to worship and to offer their sacrifices and things. And there was all sorts of nations and people, and people from different nations uh, that were Jews, that heard them speaking in tongues. And they said, you know, all these people were unlearned. They don't know my language, but they're declaring to me the wonderful works of God. This is all in Acts chapter 2. And so God enabled them to speak in other tongues, other languages that people recognized. And so the language barrier was broke down. Now the Holy Spirit is enabling the spread of the gospel. Because that's one thing that Jesus said. He breathed on the disciples and he said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit and you shall be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit enables us to evangelize and to, to share the gospel with others. He enables the spread of the truth of God's word and the good news of Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit. If you're going to be an evangelist, you need the Holy Spirit. Every believer needs the Holy Spirit. But this was all happening on what we call the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit came in and filled the believers. You know, and let's think about this. Let's look at Peter. So after this, Peter stood up and said, you know, these, these men aren't drunk. These people aren't drunk like you think they are. Because there were some people that mocked him and said, you know, they're... And, 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 and you have to look at that too. If you believe in speaking in tongues, more often than not, you're going to get mocked. They did the same thing in the Bible. That's nothing new. But Peter, who was timid 40 days ago, or thereabout, had denied the Lord because he was scared whenever, he was, whenever Jesus was arrested to be crucified. Now Peter is standing up in front of all these people 
preaches them a sermon, and three thousand people get saved right there. And guess what they did after they got uh, they got past that holiday? They all went home and they took the knowledge of Jesus with them through the Holy Spirit, and Christianity started to spread like wildfire because the Holy Spirit is fire. The Holy Spirit is represented by fire, by the dove, by wind. So sometimes when you see those references in the Scripture, in a way, it's it, it could be referencing the Holy Spirit depending on the context. 3,000 people from timid Peter. But there was such a... The Holy Spirit adds such a boldness to the life of the believer. New converts need to know this. New converts need to be seeking for the Holy Spirit. I would love to see people seek for the Holy Spirit again and to see people baptized again and and hear the and just you know, it's not just sensationalism, but there's something holy. People are being separated unto God whenever that's taking place. The Holy Spirit is living on the... You know, why are we not excited about that? Why are we not excited about the fact that the very essence of God comes to dwell inside of us whenever we receive the Holy Spirit? Why is Christianity not excited about that? Why do they not believe it? A lot of them don't. You might be one that doesn't if you're listening, but I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit, that promise is still unto us, as many be afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. And I still believe in His promises. I still believe in His Word. So, speaking in tongues is one of the evidence that an individual has been filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues can be an earthly language that you do not know, or a heavenly language that's known only to the angels. Apostle Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians 13. Not at all scary, and certainly, certainly not demonic. Please, please, please. If you're not sure about speaking in tongues, and you don't believe in it, then that, that that's something that you and God work out. But do not say that it's satanic. Do not say that it is demonic. Jesus said, if anything is spoken against the Father, it will be forgiven. If anything's spoken against the Son, it shall be forgiven. But if anything is spoken against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven in this life or the next. There is just something about the Holy Spirit that God takes very, very, very seriously. Again, Jesus was talking about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He said that that is the only unforgivable sin. You can be forgiven of any sin, but not blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So if you're not sure about it, don't make fun of it. Talking about speaking in tongues. If you're not sure of the phenomenon uh, of what's going on, don't make fun of it. The Bible says, judge nothing before the times. You could end up being a believer in it. And believer in the Holy Spirit. In Him. So again, speaking in tongues. So what is speaking in tongues? It could be a message to someone, and then sometimes it's a prayer language. Uh, the book of Jude talks about building yourself up in the most holy faith, uh, praying in the Spirit, right? And so 
when tongues, and Apostle Paul talks a lot about this in 1 Corinthians 14, when speaking in other tongues, really, it involves your spirit man. One place calls it your inner man, praying to God directly. Because the veil was torn, so we have access, right? When Jesus was crucified on the cross, we now have access to the presence of God. Romans 8 and 26 says, when we, we don't even know what to pray, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with different groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, the prayer made by the Spirit cannot be put into words. Sometimes that happens. Speaking in tongues is not something, again, too, that you don't learn on your own. As weird as it sounds, when the Holy Spirit fills, fills you, it's just an ability that you have. You might start speaking like a syllable or two, or it may be a longer string of words, dialects, or syllables. And that's okay. Your lips may stammer. You may have an overwhelming feeling of peace. You might cry. You might shake. You might feel like shouting for joy. You might run. You might worship. You might dance. But it's His presence. When you don't know what to say or how to pray or even what to pray for, the Holy Spirit will know what to say and pray on your behalf. Okay? The fruits of the Holy Spirit. There's also other fruits. Nine different listed in the book of Galatians. And here's what they say. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the Holy Spirit doesn't just give you boldness to minister the gospel of Jesus. He doesn't just make you shout. He doesn't just make you speak in tongues or feel goosebumps or run or jump or sing or swing from the chandeliers. But there's also fruit that are associated. And these fruits are the characteristics of God and His Spirit. God is love, for example. In His presence, there is fullness of joy. He is the Prince of Peace. He is patient and merciful. He is a kind God. He is faithful. These are characteristics that get deposited in us when we receive the Holy Spirit. Does that mean that we are perfect and that we are always going to operate in love? More than likely not. Because we're still in the flesh and subject to make mistakes. But there should be a little bit of each of these in our lives when we get saved. And Jesus said in John 15 that He's the vine, we're the branches, and the Father is the husbandman. In other words, the branches get pruned so that it produces more fruit. Pruning hurts. So what does that mean? The Holy Spirit helps us live a holy life. Holy means sanctified, set apart. The Holy Spirit helps us do this. And whenever He's pruning us, He wants to see more fruit. If we've got pride, He's going to prune it off of us and bring back, bring us more humbleness. If we're hateful, then He's going to prune us and we're going to have the fruit of gentleness come up. If we're not operating in love, then He's going to prune us and we're going to operate in a little bit of love. Or He's going to correct us. Okay? A lot of people don't like that. But uh, He... but Because chastising is not, not exactly a pleasant experience. But He wants to bring us into that. Okay? He wants... Uh, you know, that that's a good thing. 
He, he, he values character and integrity over talent and gifting. I want my character to be better. I want to please God. I want to please God better than I have in the past. The Holy Spirit will help me do this. The Holy Spirit will help you do this too. So He's a comforter. The Holy Spirit is. And that means summoned and called to one side to give aid, to plead one's cause with another, an intercessor, a helper. He helps, you know, He is our helper and He can do what we cannot. So whenever you think of helper, you know, if I'm a plumber and I have a helper, I'm doing most of the work and my helper is just running to fetch things. But that's not what that means. The Holy Spirit does things that we cannot. In other words, let's say that I am working on my house and I'm not a plumber. And I call a plumber and say, hey, I need help. And the plumber comes up and the plumber does things in my house that I can't. That is what the scripture is talking about. It's not like the Holy Spirit's our assistant following us around and handing us a tape measure or handing us whatever we need. The Holy Spirit shows up to do what we cannot. We call on Him, hey, this pipe's busted and I don't know what to do. And He comes up and He helps us. That's part of His ministry. So He helps us live the Christian life. He, you know, Jesus forgives us, but the Holy Spirit helps us. He helps us carry out what God has called us to do. He's our great comforter. You know, how how awesome would it have been for Jesus to stick around? Jesus, why do you have to go into heaven? And the disciples asked and said, now's the time you're going to set up the kingdom on earth, right? He said, nope. It's better for me to go away. Earlier in the, the, the Bible, it's better that I go away. Because if I stay here, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I go away, I will send Him to you. And He did on the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit has been with the church ever since. And He's here for you. The Father wants you to have the Holy Spirit. And so, one of the things you do is you ask. You know, in Luke 11, 9 through 10... It talks about, actually, it wasn't It wasn't here in the book. It talks about if an evil father knows what constitutes a good gift for his children, how much more will God, the eternal heavenly Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? What did Jesus say? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock. So many people say, I don't know if it's his will for me to have the Holy Spirit. I just don't know if, if, if that kind of thing is for me. It is. It's a promise to you and for you. Sometimes we overcomplicate matters. The Father wants you to have His Spirit. He wants to give you His Spirit more than you want His Spirit. His promise still stands. You can have access to the fullness of God's Spirit's in, in, Spirit in today's day. His Word does not change. If that's something that you want, if if He is some someone that you want in your life, then ask, seek, pray. Okay? So along with the nine fruits, 
there's also the nine gifts. And I don't want to throw too much information out here, and I don't in the book. But I talk about how the Holy Spirit helps us discern the difference between godly spirits, demonic spirits, the human's heart, words of knowledge and prophecy, uh, words of wisdom, gifts of healing, gift of faith, gift of the working of miracles and things like that. I go into a little bit of detail about that. Um, and that the gifts are not for us to show off or let people see how spiritual we are, but they are for healing, revealing God's heart and thoughts towards someone, instruction, rebuke, reproof, correction, encouragement, edification, for the profit of all. All are supposed to profit from the gift, and that doesn't mean financially. That means profiting, growing, building, maturing from the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He helps us do that. So then, that brings us to the end of chapter 4. I'm going to call time right there. I pray that this is a blessing to you. Um, if you believe that this is this uh, book will be beneficial for, for you as a mentor, for you as a new convert, uh, or for the discipleship team at your church, then please consider purchasing it. Uh, it's available on Amazon. I will include a link in the bio. Uh, but that's all that I have for you all today. God bless you, and may you all have a Merry Christmas.